Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. To wrap up our three-part series on healthcare and health plan financing and cost containment, and also to wrap up our third season of the Benefits Executive Roundtable, I'm happy to have as my guest today some of my group health clients, Randy Sims of TriWest Limited and Bill Struett of Highmark Distributing. Both of these clients are long-term, self-funded clients of mine, and both have reference-based pricing plans in place with a few years under their belts. I wanted to bring you firsthand experience from the end users, the self-funded health plan sponsors. Thank you both for joining me today. Great to be here, Dorothy. Thank you, Randy. Hi, Dorothy. Yeah, thanks Thanks for inviting me today, and I look forward to what we're going to talk about. Thanks, Bill. Well, Bill, this is the second time you've been on our podcast for the Benefits Executive Roundtable uh, as you were a guest um, with other plan sponsors in season one very early on. So welcome back. And I'm really glad that I didn't scare you off these things because some people get scared by saying, would you like to be on my podcast? So thank you. Uh, No problem, Dorothy. No problem. And Randy, you're a first timer. So I'm happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm one of those first timers that's scared to death, but hopefully it springboards into my uh, acting career. Yeah, for sure. Huh? Well, let's get started on this because we have a lot to cover. By the way, one thing I want to mention to you, because a couple of my guests have mentioned this to me later, and I didn't even think about it, but when they went home and told their spouses and their kids that they were being on their podcast, uh, the spouses were like, okay, so what? But the kids went crazy. They thought it was so cool that their parents were, one of their parents were going viral. So just so you know, you might have some of that going on, uh, especially the younger kids. I mean, the older kids, they don't really care, but the younger kids think it's pretty cool. So anyway, we, as I said, uh, we have a lot to cover. So if you recall, I started educating our clients on reference-based pricing about five and a half years ago, but I advised everyone that I wasn't ready to recommend it yet. You know, it was relatively new here on the West Coast, and although it was doing really well in other parts of the country, I didn't want any of my clients to be among the first on the West Coast. I didn't want you guys to be guinea pigs. So it was a long process before we actually started recommending it with a number of webinars, seminars, articles that I wrote and so forth and shared with you guys, and information that I prepared. And I'd like to take you guys back to that time before you started using RBP. You were both with PPO plans, Anthem Networks to be exact. And your plans were running very well back then under a PPO contract, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 our plan was running really well, actually. Yeah. I thought uh, our, our PPO help plan was great. I mean, our employees considered it top of the line. And uh, as a grandfather plan, we had very low co-pays. Um, and in fact, we used the plan to help try to recruit employees. Um, and frankly, I spent very little time on it, which, which always makes me happy. <laughs> That's always a good thing. Well, do you think it was wise looking back to wait a couple of years before we started doing reference-based pricing? Yes. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll chime in first. I, I think uh, each year gains uh, uh, more and more acceptance, uh, which helps, uh, helps a lot, um, the experience in uh, education and industry. Uh, and that makes it easier on all of us uh, the longer uh, RBP has been around. Yes, and I would agree. It, uh, it's really an education of, of doctors and hospitals of what reference-based pricing is. And in California, it's all about Blue Cross and PPOs. 
And so we've had to do a little bit of education on, on, on reference price pricing, but, but it seems to be very effective. So how important do you think that pre-implementation education really is? I, I think education was critical for us. In the beginning, I've, I fought Dorothy a bit on this because, frankly, most of our employees don't really want to know all the nitty-gritty details about our plan, nor do they really care unless it impacts them. But education does matter for three main reasons, in my opinion. First, when you visit the doctors, you're always asked for your new insurance card. Um, and it's important for the employee to have some understanding of the plan because they can really help guide that conversation to limit suspicion or concerns on coverage. Secondly, I think um, balance bills are a little bit more common in an RBP plan, and you want to protect your employees from blindly paying them as if they were a copay or deductible. And lastly, our RBP plan, we offer a, a customer support group called Care Navigation, which can really help steer your employees to the best location that are known to accept RBP plans, which further helps control our costs and limits billing issues. Well, thank you for that, Randy. That was very helpful. Bill, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, in our world, Randy, everything you said is absolutely correct. You know, reference-based pricing is is not Blue Cross. It's not a PPO plan. Therefore, therefore, you're, you're challenging the the people that use the reference-based pricing to do a little more work. Um, and the work they have to do is when they show up to the doctor or the hospitals, they have to begin talking about something that's sometimes maybe foreign to the, the person on the other side of the counter in that doctor's office or in that hospital. Um, there's many support me mechanisms that help achieve that, but the employees have to be prepared and educated before you go out and, and implement this plan. Yeah, for sure. That's why we did so much of that type of education. Can you tell our listeners why you decided to finally take that jump and try RBP, particularly you, Randy, because as you said, you were a little bit more hesitant. Uh, can, can you tell us what that was all about? Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Plain and simple, we jumped to lower our medical costs. I mean, we had a, a pretty bad year in 2019, right before we converted uh, with um, some pretty significant claims. And, and I needed a better solution to control uh, our, our rising medical costs, uh, which had been rising year after year for quite some time. Yeah, in our, in our company, just a background to our company, uh, we're a, a, a beer distribution company with, with currently about 180 employees, used to be about 280 employees, and maybe I'll get into that later. Um, but, but I've been involved with, with Dorothy and ABC for many, many years. Um, we've been self-insured for many, many years. And just being self-insured in that environment, I, I always compare that to a fixed cost environment pretty much every year when I do my analysis. And over a period of the, the 15, 20 years we've been on, on, on a self-insured program, we probably had savings in the neighborhood of 30 to 40% over a fixed cost program. So, so that's the first thing is, 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 is being all in on a, on a variable-based program. So then when reference-based pricing came around, um, it was another opportunity to to take a look at costs and, 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 and see, if, see if you can reduce costs. Um, from our perspective, it wasn't that challenging because our employees are engaged in the whole medical process. We, we have a, a small group of employees. We meet once a year. We go over the health plan with them. I call them our medical, medical committee. Um, that group, we go over the costs. We talk about what the employees are going to have to pay. Um, and the reason we do that is, is our employees, you know, they contribute probably 20% of the overall cost of the plan. That's, that's what we take out of their checks every week. Um, we're committed to, you know, so they're highly motivated to not have that increase from year to year. 
So they're engaged in the plan. They're engaged in doing the things that are necessary so that we don't, we don't pass on increases to them. And I'm, I'm proud to say we haven't passed on an increase to them in probably four or five years. So, so th things have gone really, really well. So, so yes. So that's why we decided to jump. It's cost containment, um, but also a lot of other things. Well, thank you for those responses, both of you. Did the change to RBP over a really, really good PPO network pay off financially? It sounds like it did. And if so, what kind of savings over the PPO plan have you seen in the three years or so since you've been using RBP? Well, I mean, to start, I was really impressed um, before I had even in, implemented the plan. Uh, we got a, a pretty hefty uh, savings on our stop loss coverage. I mean, it fell 19% in when I had committed to, to make the jump, which was over 75,000 in savings for us, which that obviously helped move me to, to take the, the jump. But uh, Dorothy, when I, um, when I look back, I mean, you had a presentation and I pulled it up. You didn't write it in your presentation, but uh, I remember pressing you at the time that, uh, you know, what do you think we'd save? And you said about 20%, which I have uh, written in the notes on the sidelines. So I look back, it looks pretty, pretty solid, but our savings has been pretty dramatic. I mean, it's been well over 20%. I mean, I'd be happy to share the numbers. I mean, our baseline year, like I said, uh, in 2019, we had some big claims. So I even adjust the baseline, kind of pull some of those extraordinary claims out. And when I, uh, based on that adjusted baseline, um, our first year that we converted our, our cost fell over $500,000 or about 20%, right on right on what you said, Dorothy. Um, that, that, again, ma that makes me feel good that I had a good projection. Thank you for that. Well, I think your projection was a little bad because, and I'll share with you why. <laughs> um, that first year, we didn't implement day one. Um, we implemented uh, kind of mid-year, which, which was good. Uh, like I said, I had a big uh, right. loss coverage fall off. But I, even though I hadn't implemented it, it took a while to implement. I think we were probably about three three months after the year started, we finally got it implemented. But in year two, which was a COVID year, so you got to kind of discount that, our, our costs fell over 31% from that baseline or about 900,000 savings. So you can contribute some of that to COVID and people putting off elective surgeries and that kind of stuff. So maybe 31 is a little bit high. Um, but near year three, <laughs> I saw... Um, uh, the cost fall again, almost 35% below that adjusted baseline for about a million dollars in savings. So all, all told, um, we probably saved a little over 2 million over the last um, three years. I would guess realistically what we're saving by having converted to an RBP about 25 to 28% on average over the PPO. Well, that's one time I can say that I'm happy that I was wrong. So thank you. You know, you know, as I told you then, I'm, I said I'm going to be conservative. I hope you do more than that, but I'm assuming that you'll probably save about 20% because I didn't want to over project. So again, I'm really happy that I was, that I was off on that one. And, and Bill, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? What were your savings like? Yeah, it, you know, it's a tough question that, to answer predominantly because there's a lot of different things that go into your healthcare costs, including, you know, everything from claims to your stop loss to, to COVID to, to about everything. And, and, and Dorothy, as you know, I always ask, I like data. I like details. I like, I like to get to the root of it. It's hard to do with, with respect to, you know, what a specific bill, but I do have some data that I can share with you that Dorothy has also provided to us. Um, and this data actually comes from, from a company called HST, which does, which does our plan or administers part of our plan. And they're saying our bill charges for the year for a period from 919 to 2022 is about $5 million, 5120. 
Um, and the savings on that was 77.5%. So basically from a bill charge to that, or another way to look at it, the, which is the way reference-based pricing works, is you looked at it as a percentage of Medicare, we're seeing that the overall percentage above Medicare at 131%. And that's what we paid at. Yeah, when, when you compare that to a, a PPO or a Blue Cross plan, um, I, you know, I, I'm not an expert in Blue Cross plans, but 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 I'm somewhat familiar with them that, that as a percent of Medicare, um, that can be far in excess of 131%. I mean, and, and especially as, as it relates to hospitals and, and, and care. Doctors might be pretty similar, but hospitals could be extremely high. Uh, Randy mentioned stop loss savings. Same thing here. Uh, our stop loss costs always went up 10%. That was just pretty much a standard. Um, and it stayed flat to down for the, the three years once we, we switched to reference-based pricing. So, so basically from that standpoint, our, our stop loss has been in check, which has been good. Um, now our overall costs, I, I guess I could share our overall costs of claims, but, but keep in mind, that's not all attributable to reference-based pricing. That's attributable to uh, uh, COVID, COVID types of things that we had a reduction, dramatic reduction in the year COVID hit. But here, here's, some, here's some real numbers. You go back into, into 2018-19, right? We were paying, and this is total, not this is before the employee reimbursements, on average about $12,000 per employee. Uh, that's slow in 17. Then we moved to reference-based pricing in uh, 19 and 20, um, which was the COVID year. Our average cost per employee was $7,800 which really equates to almost a 40% reduction. But you can, again, you can't take all of that to reference-based pricing because that was also COVID-related. Uh, last year, it slid up. Um, so that's the year ending in August to $8,509, but still dramatically lower than anything you get on a fully insured basis. It's just, it's, it's almost half. So, so it, it, the plan is working extremely well. Um, our costs are contained, I think, lower than, than any, anything you could probably get in the marketplace, and we're really excited about it. Well, thank you for the detail, both of you. I appreciate it. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how comfortable you guys would be sharing some of that information, but it really does it really does uh, hit home, I think, with listeners and, and when you tar start talking about actual plans out there and actual health plan costs. So I want you to think back again to pre-implementation. One of the main things that I warned clients about was that there would be hiccups. There's always a chance of having balanced bills, which, of course, Randy mentioned. Um, there's always a chance of having providers not wanting to accept the RBP plan because, as Bill said, they just don't understand it. And, of course, your employees not understanding the plan or how it works or being angry with any plan change because, let's face it, sometimes employees just don't want change, period. So that's always something that you have to consider. Before we get into the details for our listeners, do you think that the disruptions in general and the extra time put into the RBP plan, because, let's face it, there was extra time put in, were they worth it financially? Tell us your true thoughts. Well, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. I, I say, oh, yes, definitely. Um, but realize I didn't handle all the issues. I mean, most of that was uh, done by our HR who dealt with a, a lot of it. I did get involved, and I'll share a little about that with you later. But uh, from, uh, you know, 2 million cost savings, there's no doubt it was, it was uh, the right thing to do. Thank you, Randy. And same thing here. I've outlined the, the substantial cost savings. So, yes, the, from a financial standpoint, it was a success. And, and Bill, your HR side of this and your involvement, you didn't have a lot of the hiccups that Randy's plan did. Your employees kind of really embraced it a little bit easier, I think, than, than Randy's employees did. 
and again, I think a lot of that is attributable to you guys and the way you, you know, bring your employees into the discussions on a uh, regular basis. Uh, you have a committee that does that. So I think that a lot of that had to do with you. So I applaud you for taking that approach uh, and bringing your employees in because that does, again, help with, uh, you know, the employee side, the employee pushback. So I think that that's, I think that that's fabulous. And so I'm really glad that this has worked out financially for you guys and that you don't hate me because that's always one thing that I was concerned about when I introduced something new and say, oh, what if it doesn't work out? They're not going to like me anymore. Uh, but Bill, from the start, you are our first client that wanted to jump in all RBP. We gave you the option of using a PPO network for doctors and using reference-based pricing for hospitals only, but you took a look at it and says, no, 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 I want all in. Why did you make that decision to go full RBP, no network, full RBP for hospitals, for doctors, for professional services, for everything? And, and again, was it worth it? Uh, Dorothy, I like pain. No, no, that, that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. Um, actually, it was an easy decision for me because uh, this is going to reference pricing is, is something totally different than a Blue Cross PPO plan. So therefore, the way it was sold to the employees was your current ins insurance stopped. It didn't, we don't have your current insurance program anymore. We have this program. And that's the way we sold it in. And you get everybody's attention real quick when you say your insurance program that you used to have stopped, right? And now you got something else. And so that's the lead into all the training and everything that we did to get everybody motivated through regarding the new program. Well, I want to come back to that for just a second, Bill, because even though you said your old program stopped and we started a new one, I want to... Uh, make sure that the listeners out there understand that your benefit levels did not change. You guys are both in grandfathered health plans. So your benefit levels stayed the same. Your out-of-pocket maximum stayed the same. Your percentages that you pay uh, stayed the same. Co-pays that the employees stayed the same and so forth. So your plan did not change. It's just the way you finance the plan changed. You got rid of the network and, of course, you added reference-based pricing you know, to replace the network. So I just want to make that clear to everyone. Yeah, and I, and I could add more to that. Um, it, we sold it as a change, but a positive change. We sold it also as, hey, you can go to any doctor now that you want. You're not regulated to a specific doctor in a network. Um, your your cost, your, your copay costs should go down, so therefore you're not going to have any 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 increases for the next you know next couple of years. So there were some big wins in selling it to the employees. And yes, so yeah, we we sold it as a new plan, but we had to do it that way to get their attention. Randy, would you like to comment on this at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it, from, that's kind of the way we went too. But, um, you know, it was helpful to be able to tell the employees, hey, instead of having to go um, to a, a Blue Cross doctor, you can now go anywhere you want. People really like that. Um, I think that was a, a big sell and an easy sell, to be honest. I mean, the sell gets a little tougher uh, when you get into some of the issues that, that I had. Yeah, I just wanted to get your feelings about, you know, going all in on, you know, not using a PPO for doctors, but using, you know, full RVP for professional services, doctors and hospitals. So again, Randy, you were a little bit more hesitant than Bill was on that part. You were kind of leaning towards potentially bringing on a network for the doctors only at that time. But you did, of course, make that final decision to go all in, uh, which again, I'm, I'm happy that you did that, but you could have gone either way. We would have been fine. And, and you know, RBP will allow you to do that, have a professional network for doctors if you want and professional services and just use RBP for hospitals. So thank you, Randy. Thank you, Bill. Let's talk about something that, Randy, that you just brought up, uh, and that is you were more hesitant at first. As you said, you were leaning toward that doctor network. 
uh, and just using RVP. And then again, as we stated just a moment ago, you went ahead and did the full dive in on this and you, you experienced some, some headaches, some issues, uh, people saying that they didn't like the plan. They thought it was too difficult. You had some balanced bills. And that first year, as we talked about earlier, and you just mentioned again, was not at all smooth. You did have some of those issues. And I, I'm not saying that it was a high percentage of time. It was a very small percentage of time. But that small percentage of time took up a lot of time with you, with your human resources department, certainly with my office. Um, Anthony in my office is the one that works side by side with your HR departments to resolve all these issues with the vendors and so forth. It was tough. It was tough. It was the first year. Uh, but again, let's let's talk about that. Let's bring up those issues Again, Randy, because you had more of these types of issues, what did you see and what, you know, what's the percentage like? I mean, was it a lot of these? Was it a majority of the employees in the plan that were having problems or was it a very small percentage? Kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, our, our, our main issue, and this was probably um, a lot of the issues. And, and, and when you go to a different plan and you go into the doctor's office, you know, the first thing they always ask you, any, any changes in your insurance? Can I get your insurance card and all that? Well, once our employees would present the new card and it didn't have that uh, blue cross emblem prominently displayed on it, um, you know, their, their front receptionists were, were confused. And, and a lot of times they'd say, we don't accept, we don't accept this type of insurance. Um, and if you look at the card, it says, you know, call the back to get information on, uh, on the plan. And, and you know what, they're, frankly, I think they were too lazy to make the call. So, a lot of our employees experienced a lot of issues with their, their primary doctors and, and so forth when they made their first appointment since we renewed to new cards. Um, so we got a lot of phone calls uh, with employees at the doctor's office. Uh, they won't take my insurance and in a frantic and I've got to get my daughter in or or what have you. So that, that that's why education, you know, is, is really key here because really these RVP plans are, are mysterious to a lot of the doctors and um so that's why I really stress the importance of education, um, and, and Dorothy, you're right on there. Um, it's important that the employee or spouse know how to react, and they can be assertive and helpful in explaining the plan. Uh, with the help of the ABC, the way we solved this was we, 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 ABC, Dorothy, and you and Anthony did a real good job. You put together a, drafted a letter uh, for our employees to hand out at the, you know, at that very first appointment that kind of described the plan and explained, hey, what we found is that typically doctors are getting paid more under the RBB plan than Blue Cross was even giving them. And once they understood that, accepted it. If you get past that first hurdle, that first appointment, um, and you you can walk in there and say, yeah, there, I have no changes in my insurance, uh, you go right through the doctor appointment. So it was really that first hurdle of that first appointment. Um, where we experienced a lot of issues, a lot of calls, and it was it was it was constant. But uh, obviously, that goes down with time when they revisit the same primary and their insurance hasn't changed. That's kind of the way it went down. One of one thing that's important, and and you you alluded to it just a second ago, but that again, first appointment, first year, time went on a little bit, and as time went on, I mean, what about the balance bills? What about things like that? Uh, the people that were really having serious provider issues, not just that first time into a doctor's office, but if they had a facility issue, something like that. Was that a, a large percentage of the of the uh, entire claims? Or no, was that a no, small? It, it definitely wasn't. It was probably, you know, probably less than, um, you know, 2% um, that would go to that level. And but it's, it's always those problem ones that are the pain. So, I mean, when you're doing 5,000, 2% is still a larger number that you got to deal with. You know, that, that's even waned over time as well. 
Well, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. Bill, I'm sorry. You wanted to say something, Bill? You want yeah, to I just want to add a couple of extra points on top of what Randy had said. So, so first of all, there's two different parts of this. There's hospital acceptance and there's doctor's acceptance. So hospital acceptance was re- is really negotiated by an outside, by an independent party that you hire as part of this program, HST or another party, right? That did most of these negotiations with the hospitals. And that was highly successful. And we really didn't have any problem with the, with the hospital acceptance at all. Um, and then with respect to the doctors, how we had set that up was, was, was yeah, Dorothy and Anthony had done a really nice form that talked about reference pricing. The employee handed that to the, the person at the doctor's office who had no idea about the plan. And that's, that's pretty much common. But on that, on that document was a couple of key things. One was, hey, try to hand this around the office to the administrator that really knows about reference pricing. Because in every office, there was always somebody that knew. The second thing was, is when you read the thing, it, it's, it said things like this. The first one, most important. Is, is we had a, a direct contact at EBAM, and also Anthony and Dorothy were assisting in this, all right, to, to basically get that phone call from that doctor's office and explain it to them directly how this works so that the employee wasn't doing that. And that was highly successful, right? Uh, EBAM, the person we had at EBAM did a fantastic job, and so did Anthony and Dorothy, at, at explaining this thing and making, it, making the doctor's office go, wow, this is really cool. One of the huge benefits that we forgot to mention in this whole thing is the doctors get paid immediately. They get paid really fast, within a week or two, um, versus Blue Cross. It's months for those guys, right? So that the minute we start, you start talking about getting paid about the same amount as Blue Cross, and you get paid in a week or two, and it's easy. It's it, it, it the doctor. We got over that hurdle for the most part. We didn't have any friction point. Yeah, definitely friction points at the first time you go, but after that, it was fine. Well, thank you for that. I, I like that explanation. Um, and, you know, you guys were uh, were great types of groups to do this because you are more involved with your employees and you do want to make sure that they understand. You want to make sure that they're happy. It's not all about saving money. You also have to make sure that your employees, Randy, you mentioned it in the beginning, you use your health benefits plan as a, uh, as a recruiting tool. So uh, it's important that they're happy and that they like the plan that they have. So I want to ask a follow-up question to this. Uh, and we talked about some vendors. And by the way, Bill, you mentioned EBAM. That is your third-party administrator that processes your claims. I just want to make sure people understand what you're talking about here. You also mentioned HST, which is your vendor for reference-based pricing. Uh, Randy's program started out with with uh, one vendor, which we'll talk about in a moment, HST, and then moved to a different vendor, which is AMP. So I want everyone out there to know that you get to choose your third-party administrator, like you always do in self-funding. You get to and they're, of course, the party that processes your claims. You get to choose your vendor to handle the reference-based pricing negotiations and, and reprice it at the Medicare Plus rates and so forth. Um, but let's let's talk more about that, the vendor issues. How smooth was, or not smooth, I guess, <laughs> how smoothly did this run or not run related to the vendors, the actual people that process uh, reprice the claims on the percentage of Medicare and the people that also deal with the pushback. Uh, if someone's saying a hospital, for example, is saying they're not going to accept this, we don't want to accept the RVP rate uh, of Medicare that you want to pay. And of course, it's always a percentage above Medicare, which of course the plan can designate the percentage that they want to pay. Um, what was the vendor situation like? Uh, Randy, let's start with you. You started with one vendor and went to another vendor. Can you tell us a little bit about how sometimes the change in vendors can make a difference as well? Oh yeah, big time. Um, you know, we were with uh, HST, which is who Bill was with. And, and you know what, they, they, they were really good. I would say they have a great technology. 
and I miss that technology. I kind of wish AMPS was there too. They're not quite at the same level, but um, they really had few, fewer staff to support us on balance bills and, and, and claims and disputes, which I felt as though these problem claims were not getting handled and settled in a timely fashion. Our employees were receiving collection notices and calls threatening their credit scores. Uh, many were questioning whether we had insurance at all. This is when, when I would mostly get involved in the plan, trying to negotiate large settlements, which is not my expertise. Um, our new provider has a customer advocacy team that, that obviously more people to support us. The advocacy team supports our employees all the way through and coordinates with uh, an internal legal team that negotiates these claims instead of me. And they do it in a fairly timely fashion. And to date, I have not had to get involved in, in one. And I've been with the new provider AMPS for over a year, and I have not gotten to one negotiation or been in direct contact with any of our employees or a hospital. So uh, my fingers are crossed. I mean, time tells that this, this works out, but it definitely had an impact and, and, and was good for us. Although I still miss some of the, the technology that was at my fingertips with HST. Well, there's always good and bad and positives and negatives in any, any vendor, and I think that's why it's important that you look at all vendors and see what your your particular needs are. You know, what is what is more important to you at this moment in time? And again, I want to come back to the fact that it's self-funded, so you can change a vendor, which, of course, Randy, you did. Uh, the first one, you liked a lot of things about them. They were great technology-wise, but you wanted some additional uh, assistance on the uh, bill negotiation side and the balance billing and, you know, that extra advocacy program that you mentioned. So the second vendor uh, to date uh, has worked out better, more favorably for you for that. The other thing that I, I really drew me to the new uh, RVP vendor is that uh, they're a named fiduciary in our plan. And, uh, you know, they need to look out for what's best um, for our our plan as, as, as I do. And, and that made me a lot more comfortable that they had skin in the game. Yeah, for sure. And Bill, you stayed with the same vendor for the entire time that you've been uh, using reference-based pricing. Tell us about the vendor situation with you. What's your experience been like? Well, I got to go back to this other thing. So Randy, I, I just, so basically you diverted your fiduciary relationship to this outside vendor? Exactly. That's, I'm free and clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm st I still have that fiduciary responsibility, so maybe I, which I'm proud of. I'm okay, but anyway. Yeah, so and, and, by, and by the by the way, Bill, just so that you know, um, they only yeah. take fiduciary responsibility for the stuff that they're negotiating, not for okay, the full plan, okay. not for the full plan, but the stuff that right, they're working right. on it. And they do have skin in the game as far as dealing with those providers and getting those claims settled, uh, because again, they are acting as a fiduciary in that manner. This is not the full fiduciary of the plan. Of course, you can't do that. You can't give up fiduciary status. I'm not <laughs> completely off the hook. You yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to make that very clear to everyone because right. as a plan administrator, you're going to be a fiduciary. Uh, you have to have at least one stated, as you know, under ERISA, one stated plan fiduciary. So that's not going to go away. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> All right. So back to the question, you know, we're very fortunate in the fact that, that, that our, all of our vendors, we call them vendors, they're really our business partners is probably the term we use. Um, and so, you know, Advanced Benefit Consulting is a business partner. EBAM's a business partner. HST is a business partner. We partner together to do this stuff. Um, so, and in my mind, uh, they they took they took the brunt of it. I, I I didn't get into it, nor did our HR manager get involved in a lot of these. They, these it starts with an HR manager, but it immediately goes to to those to to, to try to work through the problem situations. And, and and there was a lot in the beginning, of course, but but it, it calmed down now. There's there's nothing out of the ordinary right now that's going on. 
Well, that's good to hear. I think one of the points that I want to make as your broker and consultant with Randy's group, we did feel that there were some issues that we could help uh, make a little bit better and resolve some of the issues and, and make them less frequent with a vendor change, which is exactly what happened, thankfully. And that's the beauty, as I said before, that's the beauty of self-funding. If one component isn't working well, you can change out that one component without disrupting your entire plan. So that's what we constantly look at when we're monitoring your plan every year throughout the year, uh, which is really what needs to be done with a self-funded health plan. Bill, as we talked about, your plan didn't have nearly the issues that TriWest had, uh, even though you're with the same vendor that they had initially. Um, from an HR and finance perspective, because obviously you're both on the finance side, um, but you also deal with your human resources managers and so forth. If you had to give a percentage of more time spent on your self-funded health plan using RBP over PPO, what percentage of more time do you think that you've spent in year one and then in the subsequent years, year two, year three, and so forth uh, so far? So let's start with the word, it's a change. So anytime you change anything in your business or your personal life for that matter, right, it requires more work. And then and then then the thing settles in. So so therefore, yeah, we had we had a change in the beginning. It'd be a guess. It's it's it was everybody had to deal with the change. Every every employee had to go to the doctor and present the piece of paper and then do the rest. So so yeah, so the first year is probably an extra ten percent of everybody's time. That includes the company, you know, the the employee and EBAM. HST everybody. Uh, after that, it's 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 the same as Blue Cross. If it's not easier, they pay it quicker and easier. Thank you, Randy. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with Bill. I mean, it obviously takes more time that that first year, especially. Um, I think um, again, it was my HR group that was more involved, and I asked the question, and they pegged the number a little bit higher than Bill, probably about thirty percent more time uh, in that first year. Um, mine obviously wasn't that high, but I, I, I just really wasn't comfortable being put in a position to settle claims uh, w without, you know, the proper training and knowledge and background in, in medical billing practices. Yeah, and it was nice to, like I said, when we made that change, it was nice because you did have the availability then to step out of it and uh, let the professionals that are supposed to do this handle it, which is, again, made me feel a lot better for that. Well, as we alluded to before, uh, we talked about a little bit, uh, you're working not only with an RBP vendor, but also a TPA, a third-party administrator. How important is the claims administrator function in all of this? Well, I'll start that. I mean, I uh, very important. I mean, I couldn't tell you how important. Uh, from my perspective and e even our employees' perspective, um, the claim process is all one. Um, or the whole thing is all one. Um, and there's no differences between the providers. Um, in fact, our TBA uh, uh, directs the entire chain of these providers. In fact, uh, you know, they're kind of the quarterback on the team. We'll, we only provide on our cards the number to uh, the T TBA. They are the front end when the doctors make their phone calls, seeking clarification on the plan, and, and, and it's really them and their communication and coordination with everyone uh, that helps get the doctors uh, comfortable with the plan that we have and, and get um, employees uh, the doctors of their choice and admittance to the hospitals of their choice. I mean, that it's, TPA is really the, the, the important provider and the quarterback of the process. Thank you. And Bill, what do you think? Well, absolutely. The TPA does the administration aspects. And, and, and under your recommendation, Dorothy, if you remember, we, we actually carved out uh, uh, the head person at the TPA as a point person for the first six months that gave their direct number 
to deal with these issues. So we didn't go through the normal normal stream that you would do for, on a medical claims payment. Uh, we paid a little bit for that, but it was worth its weight in gold. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about employer and employee education in RBP plans. We talked about this in the beginning, but I want to come back to it. How important is that or was that for both of you? Can you tell our listeners about some of the things that we did, meaning us at Advanced Benefit Consulting at your companies as well, you guys personally, as well as your HR departments? What, you know, what are some of the things that we did to help educate your employees and how helpful was that? Well, I'll start off. I mean, number one, uh, I mentioned earlier the handout you did uh, or that you put together for them to give to um, um, doctor's offices that, upon their first visit. I mean, it was very clear, very, it helped, it relieved some of the pressure. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, during our, our, our rollouts and stuff and, and um, uh, annual um, you know, open enrollment meetings, I mean, you provided a lot of education material from um, uh, videos. I mean, there were a lot of great videos to watch, um, and those videos, um, frankly, we share on our our our, our homepage where um, our employees and their spouses and and whoever other dependents that are on the plan can can review when they run into problems. They look it up and and play the video, and it it helps keep it fresh in the mind. There's a lot to these plans and a lot to know, um, and you get a constant message by having a, a video pre pre-done that way and it's it's been very useful for us well thank you bill what about you yeah everything randy said the, the video the, the communication was excellent the videos are extremely important because in our case and also randy's case i think um you know the employee base is is dominated a lot by males who are working you know delivering product and doing this kind of stuff but the the usage of the, the medical benefits is normally by the, the family members and kids and things like that so we're able to pass that video on to the, the, the wives and other, other folks that, are, that would use those benefits, and that worked out really well. I want to mention some of the videos that we had done, and I actually had uh, produced those myself and uh, brought EBAM partners in with me, and we recorded those together. But uh, we had produced the content, and we recorded them. And so I really get sick of listening to my voice because it's in all of them. Uh, but uh, some of the topics, and I think we had five or six of them in total, but one was you know, just simply on terms and acronyms. What do those mean? Because employees, especially when you throw new things like RBP and things like that, they don't know what that means. So one of the videos was just educating them on that sort of thing. One of them was understanding the type of plan that you have, whether you're on a PPO plan or in this case, whether you're on an RBP plan and so forth and walking them through what that means. And another one that I thought was really important was what do you do if you receive a balance bill? Uh, and that was probably the hardest one to produce and to record, but I think it was probably one of the most valuable ones. So I think you know, I was happy that we were able to do that. And we did that particularly with the two of you guys in mind, plus another one of our clients. We had three of you that jumped on in that first year. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that we weren't just giving you a piece of paper. Yes, that form that you handed out to the doctor's office was very valuable and, and very good. But I wanted to make sure, as, as you both said, that you had something throughout the year that you could share with your employees. And if you had new hires coming on, that they could review those things. And you could say at any time, they come to you for a question, you know, you guys could say something like, you know what, 
I think I could explain this a little bit, but we have these great videos and kind of get you off the hook on that and send your employees, to, of course, to your to your websites and so forth where you have those things posted. So I think those things are great. And I think if anybody is considering doing reference-based pricing, that you really need to think about that sort of education process, not just at open enrollment, not just at the implementation, the beginning of the implementation, but also ongoing because employees have very short memories. They'll remember it today, tomorrow, maybe next month, if you're lucky, but then they forget after that. So um, thank you for bringing those things up. Uh, as I said, I think education is absolutely the most important thing. But let's talk about that on a scale of 1 to 10. How important is that education from your perspectives, both pre-implementation and ongoing? 10 across the board. 10. <laughs> I asked one client this a couple of days ago and they said 11. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, okay. Uh, well, knowing, knowing now what you know about RBP and the disruptions that it you know, is going to have in the short run, let's be honest, we've talked about it. There are going to be some blips. There are going to be some issues, in that, particularly in year one. Again, using that scale of 1 to 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worth it was it for your long-term health plan financing and cost containment to move to RBP? Uh, Two million. That was my savings. <laughs> That's better than ten. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the same way. I probably you know a couple million dollars a year from a financial perspective, but, but not just that. I, 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 Dorothy, if you remember, you know, you had a vision that that you know reference based pricing might come into California and and kind of kind of push around and take out Blue Cross, um, and that was that's part of this, and I, I still think that may happen out into the future. You know, we're on the leading edge of that, which is really cool. And we're saving money to boot, and uh, and on then the other part of it is is with reference based pricing. It's all very very transparent pricing. It's it's presented on Medicare, which is in my opinion, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's what what Medicare cost, medical costs should be going forward. We'll see if it ever happens. But. Yeah, and, and as you guys know, that for many many years I've been talking about transparency and how we needed that. And I'm really happy that we're having this new transparency and coverage rules and, you know, the No Surprises Act to control some, at least some of the uh, balance billing issues as it relates to uh, emergency services and so forth. And I am hoping that they will expand that in the future beyond emergency services and beyond air ambulances and so forth so that we can have more control over balance billing, uh, you know, across the board. So that would be great. As a comment of my own, I do want to say that there are some types of groups that are just simply not right for RBP. You guys are both you know, in types of industries um, that adapted pretty easily to this. We had one client with about 1,650 employees, a larger client than you guys, and about 25 locations. And they had a high percentage of Spanish-speaking uh, employees. And some of those were Spanish-speaking only, keep in mind, uh, that used RBP for the first two years. And then they dropped it and went back to a PPO plan because for them, even though the savings were there and the savings were really great, uh, it just seemed like a PPO was easier for their employees and their population. So I do want to just always state that RBP isn't for everyone, just like self-funding isn't for everyone. You know, uh, it really depends on the type of population that you have within your company, uh, your education levels within your company, how easy it is for you to access your employees uh, in your company, if you have a good website, if you have good opportunities to educate people. All those things kind of come into play. Uh, and one thing I also want to point out is that if you're one of those clients like you know one of ours that was a large client with a lot of locations and, and a, a very different type of population than yours if it didn't work out you can go back it's not like you you know you can't ever change your mind and go back 
But the problem with that is when you do go back, it's going to cost you more money because then you're, you're losing right up front with the fixed costs, right up, right up front, you know, and the savings and the stop loss uh, savings and that sort of thing. Uh, and your aggregate exposure is going to go up, your worst case scenario and claims uh, and that sort of thing because, you know, RBP is less expensive than the network pricing. Uh, so keep that in mind. So what would you tell those employers uh, to do or not do if they're considering reference-based pricing? Well, I'll start that. I'll say the, um, the, the, the thing that you need to focus on most is uh, uh, having great partners for the program. Um, we've talked a lot about the RPP vendor, um, and, and obviously the TPA is very important, but I would also throw in there the broker, which is you, Dorothy. I'm going to give you a little oodles here. Thank you. Uh, your broker really needs to be knowledgeable and trustworthy. Um, in my role, I wear you know a lot of hats, and there's there's little time to become an expert in this field. I put uh, a lot of trust and faith in Advanced Benefit Consulting and Dorothy to to find us the best solutions for our business, whatever that is, a stop loss carrier, uh, RBP provider, or the TBA, or or even valuable benefits, new benefits for our employees. Dorothy and her team uh, have simplified my role in this area. And I so appreciate uh, her effort. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Randy. Yeah, and I'm a finance person, so, so it always starts with finance. So, so when I, as I shared some numbers early on in this this, this podcast, you know, our, our our medical costs are substantially less than anything else I could get in the marketplace. So something must be working there. Um, our employees are, are are happy. I'm not getting a lot of complaints, so that that's working out really well, and we're not passing on costs to them. And so that, that all dovetails back to somebody must be doing their job right, and it's definitely not me. I'm, I'm a finance guy, so, so, <laughs> so, that, so that, that has to be uh, advanced benefit consulting and, and all the hard work they do along with you know, the EBAM, who, who we have. They, they do a great job, and, and all the other uh, business partners that we have associated with our medical plan. Thank you so much. <laughs> let, let me also give oodles to EBAM. They support us at TriWest as well, and they do a heck of a job. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to be happy when they listen to this podcast for, for mentioning them as well. Is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners about, you know, putting in an RBP plan? Are there any additional tips or anything that you'd like to add above and beyond what, we, what we've already talked about? I think we covered it all. We, we actually did pretty good. I, hopefully, maybe I, I get some contract calls here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just have one. You have to be thick-skinned. Uh, it, it's not easy in the beginning. Um, even now, every once in a while, it rears its head from somebody says, I really want, you know, why am I having to deal with that situation? So, so you just got to kind of push it off and say, no, you know, healthcare in general is not a, not an easy, it's a challenge regardless where you're at, how you're trying to get, get services and get things paid. You know, you just got to, just got to move forward. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're out of time today, but I want to thank you both so much for your candid comments on this. Uh, brokers and consultants can talk about savings forever, but I think hearing it from you guys, the end users, those self-funded employers that are using RBP, it's so much more credible, I think, for the general audience out there. I also want to thank you both in advance for agreeing to be part of our RBP panel coming up with our uh, webinars that are coming up in May and June on healthcare and health plan financing and cost containment. You're both going to be on our RBP panel along with representatives of the stop loss market and RBP vendors uh, to talk more about this. So thanks in advance to both of you guys for agreeing to participate in that. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Dorothy. Well, uh, I hope uh, we provided you some hope that you can also contain your rising costs through an RBP plan. 
hopefully uh, Bill and I have laid somewhat an easy, easier path uh, for most of you in the future. But uh, the more of you adopting RPV plans, especially here in California, the merrier it will be for all of us. So good luck. Yeah, and I, and I would agree also. It, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Please consider reference pricing. It does help us out. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, you guys. <laughs> and to everybody out there listening, thanks so much for today's episode and episodes all season long. As I said earlier, this is our last regular season episode for season three. So thank you for three great years. And of course, if big things happen, as we have in the past, we will produce some off-season podcasts. I remember immediately after we closed season one, guess what? COVID hit. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting and we had to do a lot of, uh, you know, additional podcasts and so forth. Otherwise we're going to be back in September. So please stay safe, stay healthy. And if you want more information about reference-based pricing plans, please feel free to go to our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com or you can email me personally at dmkoshu, that's D-M-C-O-C-I-U at advancedbenefitconsulting.com. You can also call me at 714-693-9754 extension three or call us toll free at 866-658-3835. And if you want more information about our upcoming May and June webinar series on healthcare and health plan financing and cost containment, and that's for both fully insured and self-funded plans, those dates are May 4th from 12 noon Pacific for part one and for part two, which will include the panel that Randy and Bill are both going to be a part of for reference-based pricing. That will be on June 8th from nine until noon Pacific. You can register for both at advancedbenefitconsulting.com. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3, toll-free at 866-658-3835, or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.